This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cammy here. Okay, something to say up top. Patreon.com slash HeyQueeros. Um, I am on strike. I'm on strike. And you can keep this show rolling uh, by going to Patreon.com slash HeyQueeros and donating to support the show. It would mean a lot to me. It ebbs and flows. So right now we're looking for like 100 more bucks. 100 bucks a month. So that could be like five people doing 20. Uh, That could be 10 people doing 10. It would mean the world to me. It would help this show continue to roll along. Also, today on the show, Roz Hernandez, hilarious comic, also the host of Ghosted! Exclamation point with Roz Hernandez and has a new show out. Trailer's out today. It's called Living for the Dead. Honestly, I will watch it even though I'm scared of this show and everything. Uh, But please enjoy this wonderful chat, which I have heard is uh, Engineer Valerie's particular fave in uh, the episodes that we've done together. So shout out to Engineer Valerie and uh, as always to Sierra for making life livable. Enjoy the episode. I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Are we are we going? We're going. It's already it's already begun. Oh my god! It's so like Mark Marini. We're just like we're just <laughs> yeah, right you're already into in it. it. You're in oh it. Oh my god! In okay, it. okay. Um, well, hi. My name is Roz Hernandez, and I have a very unique title as a a stand up comedian and paranormal investigator (laughs) i hate that second part it's too scary it's too scary how did you first get interested in the paranormal in the i can't even hang on paranormal it's too scary to say it's too scary to say it um well i grew up catholic which is something i've heard you talk about before Uh uh-huh Yep. And I don't know, that to me, that makes you, your mind open to a lot of things that maybe if you weren't, if it wasn't put in your brain young, you might be like, what? Like, yeah, you I really mean, believe into... that that bread is Jesus? And like, totally. I'm like, yeah, of course it is. And if you're into ghosts, I mean. The Holy Ghost. That guy. Well, number one, yeah, for sure. But also that guy was wandering around. Oh my god! After walking he was already on done water so. and stuff. And well, he like, was walking on water, but then he went. He went to away big, and came to back to the big night night in the sky, and then he came back, and people had to touch his physical body and stuff. And just so. the way that he was came into this world, uh, at right. least what I was right. told. Yeah, that too. Yes. What I was told was essentially a ghost came to oh a teenage goodness. girl and was yeah. like. Hey, you're pregnant. Yes. And it's going to be a powerful baby that has got magic powers. And I heard that as a kid, and I was like, yeah, not even questioning, of course. Like, adults are telling me (laughs) that that's true. So if adults are telling me that's true, then, like, what else could be true? Oh, that's so. I mean, I just kept... uh, I just kept believing that there was all kinds of possibilities. And I mean, I'm definitely not religious anymore. And I'm actually a very skeptical person of the paranormal, supernatural, all of that stuff. But I also realize that I'm just just a really gorgeous human that doesn't, you know, what do I know? And so I'm just... Like, yeah, sure, maybe it's all possible. Let's try to figure out if it is or not. 
And sometimes you get these little, these little tiny little blips where you're like, oh, there actually could be something, something. I don't know if it's religious or scientific or what it is, but things that we don't understand as humans. And it keeps me coming back for more. Oh, sure. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, uh. I mean, I don't know why this is the first time I've ever been scared of angels. J- literally this moment, based on what you just said. Now now I have a new fear. You know what it's I say angels. all the time? I don't care if it's an angel, if it's Cameron Esposito. I don't care who it is. If you show up in my bedroom when I'm sleeping, it's terrifying. That's, you know what, Ross? That, thank you for understanding. The, no, there's two, okay. I'll tell you my two worst ones. Number one, you're in my room while I'm sleeping. And number two, I'm brushing my teeth. I bend over to spit. When I come back up, you're in the mirror behind me. Classic. That is, those are my two biggest fears. I think part of it is that number one, as you referenced, I was, it's like Catholicism can leave you open to many options, but also I have terrible vision. So even when I was a teeny kid, I couldn't really see well at night. And I Mm -hmm. think that just the idea of not being able to see my environment, it's like the the evening visitors, forget it. That's it. Yeah. This is my, still my problem. I'm, I still, I still talk myself through this. These jumbo oversized comedy glasses that I'm wearing are prescription. And (laughs) If I woke up in the middle of the night, good luck, ghost. I can't yeah. see you. Get yeah. <laughs> off to the next place to scare someone because I'm not going to see you. Uh, so you you also have a podcast about this that is called Ghosted. and I do have a podcast. And, um, you know, it's a very awkward time to talk about television and stuff. But uh, I am. Vagaries. Doing a, do vagaries. Well, yes. But it's also a non-union um, production. Oh, okay. uh, so. It's weird. It's all weird right now. But um, I am doing uh, a ghost hunting show with an all queer cast, and um, that's coming out in October. And uh, it's an unscripted thing. And uh, so I do all my whole life is if I'm not doing stand up, I'm talking about ghosts or looking for ghosts or whatever. Yeah, people that are listening that might be following what's going on, but not totally tapped in unscripted programming which is what people call that's essentially reality reality tv is the other word for it um that is not covered by any of these uh contracts which actually interesting i was reading about um some unionization efforts um amongst reality tv stars which is super interesting stuff and yeah for sure everybody deserves a union but what is your show called um because we can talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, I was just thinking about the things that you were saying. Um, and yeah, it's weird for me because I'm I'm in like a really weird, unique uh, part of show business that I've created, I guess. Like with withholding these titles of like, yeah, I work in like the paranormal world as well as being here in Hollywood and... I've done, like, some acting and stuff, but I think it's kind of surprising sometimes when I tell people, like, I'm actually not SAG. Like, I've done, like, commercials and stuff, but I'm I'm not in the Screen Actors Guild, so I, I really am just doing a show, like, uh, like as, like, a... As me. It's me. Um, anyway, whatever. Um, so it's called Living for the Dead, and it is... Produced by the people that created Queer Eye, um, Scout Productions, and also maybe someone else you've heard of named Kristen Stewart, uh-huh. and she's also the narrator of the show. Great. And um, it's in a lot of ways it's like Queer Eye but with ghosts. And so it's five queer people that work in the paranormal, and we travel the country and help people that are dealing with ghosts. All of them ghosts. work in the paranormal. There's, yeah. There are at least five people that are queer and work in the paranormal. Well, it's a can very I be honest? Specific. Of course that's a thing, though, because I feel like 
there's like a witchy uh i mean i don't know i don't know if there's overlap between like a witchy astrology based interest and like a ghost interest but i feel like totally there's an overlap there yeah yeah there is for sure and the 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 genre of like paranormal like just the ghost hunting world tends to be very straight and cis and uh that's I think historically like a lot of the people that have done those kinds of shows but I mean there's always there's always gonna be queer people around no matter (laughs) where we're everywhere baby but um yeah we've got we've got a tarot reader a psychic medium a witch and then uh someone that does all the tech equipment and then me who is there to be like given a lot of side eye like are you sure that was a ghost? And uh, Did you have to like, uh, you know, is it like a spending the night in various places sort of a thing? Haunted hotels yes. situation? Absolutely. And you know what's... <laughs> no. Sometimes, like, I, I haven't said this out loud really to anyone, but as I'm, as I'm doing my pre... Uh, screening before it comes out of my mouth, I'm sitting here thinking, what the hell is my life? I started going to a therapist right before shooting this. Um, well, I was already in therapy, but I, I shifted my therapy to my intense fear of sleeping in like haunted places. Even though I don't fully always believe in ghosts, just the idea of sleeping in a haunted place really was like stressing me out. And I had to stay in haunted places when shooting the show. And I mean, I, I did not sleep. I, I would stay up all night long and every single little noise you would hear, I, I, yeah, I would like jump up and, and I was just, I was terrified. And then I would, you know, wake up uh, with air quotes and start the day filming, you know, all day long after not having slept. So I kind of was a crazy person in the locations that we slept in because it was multiple days of not sleeping at all. And it never stopped. The whole time I did it, I just could not sleep. May I ask why, given that that's true, that you set this whole project up for yourself? Is it the idea of like the fascination being as strong as the aversion? Is it like a fear facer thing? Like what's the bringing yourself into that level of discomfort? (laughs) I mean, listen, there, I love this topic of ghosts and I've been doing this podcast ghosted for I think like five years or something. And I love talking about it. And I love bringing queerness and comedy to that world. And so when this opportunity came up, I was like, yeah, it's some just, you know, an, uh, another opportunity and a bigger, you know, avenue to do to do this and now a visual medium. And so I was like, hell yeah. And then they were like, and you guys are going to sleep in the places. And I was like, wait a minute. Um that's not really usually how I like to do this because I had previous to doing this, I had slept in a couple of like haunted hotels or whatever and never went well for me. But I and mean, I, wait, hang on. Go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't mean to There was one time that I stayed in a haunted bed and breakfast with um, one of my drag queen friends. The two of us had the weekend free and we went to one and I believed that somebody encountered, we encountered a visitor from the other side in the middle of the night. And I made my friend leave at like, I can't remember, 2, 3 a.m. or something. And we like packed up and drove home a couple of hours because I was so scared. Now, again, I'm skeptical even of myself, but either way, every time I've been in these situations, I'm like, I can't do it. Like, I can't. I can't sleep when you're like, oh, this is the room where a demon tickles your toes. Have a good night. The continental breakfast is you're like, what? Yeah, but Roz, this is like, there's a bigger question here, uh, which is like, yo, I'm afraid of these things. I avoid them. 
I don't leave the hotel at two or three in the morning because I don't go to it. So like, I want to know that instinct. And also, could I borrow some of it? Because I feel like, <laughs> I feel like a fear facer vibe is nice. I've done that with heights. I used to be super afraid of heights. And then when I moved to LA, I would hike like a little bit further every day up yeah. in Griffith Park. And I would like drive my car on a, like a, you know, there are certain roads even in the city of Los Angeles, where like when you get to the top of them, it's that thing where you like cannot see that there continues to be road. Terrifying. You're just like launching yourself and just hoping that it's not uh, a crevasse. Um, so anyway, I worked on that over time intentionally. Like I, I was like, I don't want to have this fear anymore. I'm in a place where I can work on it, and I worked on it over time. This is a fear, like home invasion, murderers, ghosts, that kind of all is in the same category for me. And it is a fear that I have um, inculcated within my uh, self by never facing it, ever. Right, well, I have had so many fears throughout my life. And at this point in my life, I mean, I'm eight and a half years sober, which was overcoming a lot of fears and transgender, which was overcoming a lot of fears just to live my truth and stand up comedian. I'm terrified of live uh, public speaking. And I, I've just had a lot of these fears that I'm kind of like, what's the worst that is going to happen? Like I've all, I've had so many fears over the years that I've, I think especially once I got sober, like, when, from my experience of getting sober, I I realized I had so many fears of just a billion things. Like, I can't go to social functions or on a date or on stage. I can't do anything if I'm not drinking or doing drugs or whatever. So then every time I would do it, I realized, like, oh, my God, I just did that. Like, it almost, like, made me stronger every single time. And so... Now I'm just like powerful. I'm so I'm like I'm like drunk with power or something like that <laughs> where I'm like I keep overcoming these things and it like gives me a high, I guess. Oh my god, it's such an addict I have to make it a high. But I I had actually maybe like a couple weeks before I left for shooting. I had never been on a roller coaster. Just like so scared of roller coasters. And then I went with my friend. Actually, don't you know my friend Tipper Newton? Yeah, I do know Tipper Newton. Yeah. She, yeah, she's one of my really good friends. And oh, she's we great. went what to Disneyland. And I had never been on like the big California adventure one that like goes upside down the roller coaster. And I decided to do it. And then when it was over, I was like, that was so fun. What the hell? Like I've been going to Disneyland for like 15 years or something. And so when I did this show, it was, like, right on, like, the heels of the... Also, you know what my biggest fear in life is? Uh, being, me. like, a public figure. Having, like, tons of people know who I am that I don't know has been, like, such a fear of mine. Why is that? And what's that? Why is that? I don't... I, you know, I've done so much therapy about it, and I think it goes back to, like, being closeted and... It's almost like people know secrets about me. Like they re they know who I am and I don't know who they are. And it's like, it's almost like feeling like I'm getting outed or something. I don't know. But I've, as weird as it is that I, yeah, I'm like a comedian and whatever. I've, I've had for years now, like this crazy fear of, of being like star of a TV show or like, I don't know something something where a lot of people would know who I am that I and I wouldn't know them like an unmanageable it's all a control issue but um it's something that I I've worked really hard on therapy lately of just like oh my god that's so scary to isn't that scary you're not scared of you weren't scared of that when that first happened to you um well, <laughs> I, um, I am, have realized over time that the, that, uh, I used to think I wasn't afraid 
of things, um, like being on stage or being public figure, this kind of thing, or whatever it is. You said I think I wasn't afraid. But then I think what you just said, it's actually more of the thing where um, I court intensity. Um, intensity is like a big part of my life and I have been working to um, not go off the rails in that direction because like when I'm experiencing intensity, I would like more intensity and then I would like more intensity and then I am on the moon. So, um, knowing that I crave intensity, but desiring to not have that ruin my life, I now do things like hot yoga, which is like, uh, physically intense because it's very warm. It's like creating an endorphin release but I know what time the class is over and I know I should go home afterward. And I'm like in, I'm like around other people. I'm like, you know, there's like somebody leading the class. So I will just say that like, since my orientation to life is through intensity, I am just today making like, through various means and support systems, I am making uh, choices about like where I direct that. So I relate to a lot of what you're saying. It's like, not that I'm not afraid. It's that I'm like sick when I'm on stage and I, cause it's like, I don't even, I wouldn't have identified even that that feeling is fear. Been like, I would have been like, that feeling is high. Oh, interesting. Um, so. I yeah. just, I also think that like, I think there's like shame now. I don't know if it's like a Catholic thing or I don't know. I don't know if it's a queer thing or. Something that's, like, deep within inside me. Like, I just had a moment. I was doing stand-up a couple days ago, and I was trying out a new joke that got groans because it was a little, like, sassy or whatever. And my first instinct was not, like, yeah. Like, there's some comedians that are like, yeah, I love that. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my God. I hope I didn't, like say something bad and hurt anyone's feelings or I don't know I I have like there's so much of that that I'm like overcoming too I'm trying to get to the bottom of it but I think it's like it's all I I think constantly about how how much the world has changed in in our lifetime and um I don't know I don't know what I'm saying here but just there's a lot of things that from my youth where I'm that I, that are still deeply in there that I think we're just like a part of culture and whatever that I'm like overcoming. And I've, I've made friends with a lot of people that are 10 years younger than me or so. And it's interesting the world that they've lived in as opposed to me with even just like queer stuff or whatever, where they don't have like the same, some of the same instincts that I have that are so deep within me from just like youth or whatever. Yeah, I relate to that. Mm -hmm. Totally. Isn't that crazy? Well, it is. <laughs> which has been interesting because like I'm millennial age and there's people in their 20s that are, mm, I would actually say maybe around 10 years younger than me. I would say the youngest would be 20. Three, twenty-two. I don't know that I've been dating, mm. so I've become like this cougar. But the reason that I, it's been nice with them is because they they don't have the same problems that I deal with as a trans person with um, dating men that are thirties, forties, fifties. This is obviously very broadly speaking, but. From my experience, I've had a number of men that are like my age or older that are more like, nobody knows I'm here, right? Don't tell my wife. Like right. that kind of vibe. And then right. I I meet people that are like in their 20s. They're like, oh, yeah, you're trans. Great. My last girlfriend was cis. The one before that was trans. Like they're just like, <laughs> their, their minds I, are so I much more open. When I, I mean, 
<laughs> when I was 23, I didn't experience that. I didn't have right. peers that were like yeah. that. Well, yeah. I mean, 100%. I, uh, I think it's also so specific, the dynamic between, like, these are mostly cis dudes. Yes. So, like, the dynamic between cis men and trans women, that that is so specific in our generation. Like, it was so specific that, like, the thing you're talking about, this, like, secret and, like, challenged masculinity. Like, that was such a... There literally are, you know, plots of movies that are about that. Like, that's such a specific thing to change so much, to change so drastically within a generation or a couple generations. Cause I yeah. just, I feel like even, um, I don't know. I, I, I certainly, I don't feel like that conversation like exists outside of the queer community. Like, I don't know that this is anything that people, I don't know, at the, at the New York times are talking about, but it is a different zone on TikTok than like, the movies I grew up watching where that was like a oh yeah a real a real shift yeah yeah and i mean it's not it's not like it's a surprise or anything but when i think as a trans person millennial age like the representation i saw or like role models and stuff it was very hard to come by. I mean, especially growing up before YouTube or whatever, where you just kind of sat around waiting for someone to pop on the TV that you could relate to and um, hope it was something positive, uh, which a lot of times it wasn't. And uh, I do think that that's like deep within me, you know, where sometimes I'm like, uh, it takes me back to, to like my youth, Something. I don't know. Yeah. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Also, I just realized I don't actually know if you even identify as a woman. So I didn't mean to <laughs> say that if that's not how you identify. I don't either. To I don't be know. <laughs> I that's it, that's um that word I don't really use to describe myself, but I'm not opposed to it. I I think what do for you all use? intents and purposes? I I very much am like a trans woman, I, excuse me, I, um, I just call myself trans and everyone calls Great. me she, um, but I don't know. I, I lived a couple decades presenting male and, and I think that that's very much a part of my journey and has made me who I am today. And I certainly don't, I don't identify with that, but it's it's just like it's part of the recipe that the ingredients that make up who I am. So um, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm trans. I'm like probably I'm probably like non-binary trans feminine, I think would probably be like the best way to describe it. But trans woman. Yeah, sure. Like, I don't know. I'm just like I'm very. And that's another thing of like millennial generation is like the generation of we don't do labels. And I feel like now it's a little different, but I do think that that's part of it for me where I'm like, I don't know. I'm just like, just like me, because sometimes I feel like if I put the word woman on myself, it makes me self-conscious of like, 
did I just say that like a woman? Am I sitting like a woman right now? Am I mm. like I don't I don't know. I'm just being me. I'm just I'm just doing this. So so whatever it is, I know it's trans and I like to be called she. Thank you for that. And this is what I look like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Uh, I don't know. I'm on like a whole journey right now. God, I literally might have brought this up every single episode. And if so, to the listeners, Do it again. I'm really sorry. But I'm on we'll like a whole a journey. Right- game. Yeah, I'm on a whole journey right now where I'm growing my hair out. And it's a huge journey, Roz. It's a huge journey. How long um, are you going? Well, uh, I might be almost there, although it just needs to be like oriented differently because uh, my initial thought was like a Gina Grishon inbound slash King Princess <gasps> zone. Ooh. Um, um, and so that just means it's like they have it. It's like a little more in the back and a little less in the front. Um, so I might be almost there, but it's kind of wild because it's like it's uh, it's like looking like a different thing for the first time now as like, you know, I had really short hair. So it takes a while for it to like look like a different thing for a while. It just like continues to look like short hair, but now, now it's like looking different to me. And uh, I actually watched Bound the other night to like re-psych myself up for like, <laughs> for, like this experience because it's a big shift like internally and externally. Maybe it is, maybe nobody even thinks it's a big shift. I think it is a fucking huge shift. Um, I'm all and- about this kind of a thing. Um, oh my god, I'm super into it myself. Yeah, I came through like where I am now with my gender and presentation and stuff through drag is like where I started, and so I was a drag queen for like I don't even know ten years or something. But um, that's where I really learned the power of like having your outer shell change to like get in touch with the inner and and it's it's fun it's fun to to try out different things and use it as a way to explore who you are yeah it just started to get fun I don't (laughs) I feel like for a minute I was like pretty lost um like I had this when I was in my 20s I had like a I felt like a very like rock and roll look but it really couldn't live forever. Like it just was like a very, this is how I look in my twenties. And then- Was this the side one? Yeah, 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 exactly. And like, that was like great, right? But it was like very rock and roll in a, like I just like couldn't carry that through the entirety of my thirties and into my forties. Like that's like, it just, (laughs) we just had to do a different thing. So I liked having short hair. Um, That was really fun for a while, but like, I also think there was like a little something missing, which was that like kind of uh, rock and roll element that like, uh, like the rock and rollers that you and I grew up with, the dude rock and rollers, they had long hair. Yeah. Like that was a thing that is like a little less true now, but like that is what I think I, um, identified with in my 20s and then like am re-identifying with is like this sort of interesting uh, like hairband masculinity that I think is oh, very sexy wow. you know yeah there's a there's that moment of like hairband 80s where they were so in presentation gender fluid yes I, I don't know yes you know whatever the right term androgynous yeah but like they were like some of the straightest yes. like kind of honestly macho douchey kind of guys yes but like they would have lipstick and blush and eyeshadow on I know it's like very funny to think about because of the then reaction that happened to that in like the like the sort of the like grunge. bearded, the gr- like grunge into beards, like that 
you know, like grunge into wood chopper, like urban wood <laughs> chopping, you know, like <laughs> that totally. reclamation is so funny because yeah, absolutely. There'd be like a dude like getting a blowjob on stage, but he'd also be wearing like panties. <laughs> so it's just like a really interesting thing that I am ready to reclaim. I feel like I that love is it. very sexy I'm and fun. I'm very into androgyny and mm. That's like something also with like whatever labels to describe myself or whatever, where I'm like, I think it's like fun to sort of not feel limited to to one or the other or whatever, just to like do what feels right. And some days I'm like, I just kind of feel, I just feel, I, I don't know. I always call myself like a butch straight lady is like how I identify because <laughs> I'm like, in a lot of ways, I'm I'm like a tough bitch. Broad? Like, like broad. A, mm, like a broad. Yeah. yeah. That's why I chose the name Roz is because I love the, like, I, to me, it just sounds oh, like, yeah. like a, it a sure broad. Does. It is. Yeah. Roz is, yeah. A, is a, yeah. Mwah. The it's way I thing. am with men, I'm the boss. <laughs> I'm sure. That, yeah. when I met you in person for the first time, that was immediately apparent. I just want you to know, <laughs> I wasn't confused for a minute. And I, and I'm, it's, I'm it's great. sweet as can be, but I'm also, <laughs> I mean, that's how I am. When I, my stand up is like school assembly gym teacher. <laughs> like, all right, listen up. Like, that's how I approach things. So can I ask you, I want to go back to something for a second, because again, I feel like there, there's like a conversation around, I'm imagining folks like who, like maybe they're not, I don't know, that maybe they don't live in New York or LA. I feel like the, what you were talking about, about exploring identity, presentation, femininity, all that stuff via drag, and then understanding more about your identity and identifying publicly as trans. Like that mo that movement between those things is mm-hmm. something that like I see in my community and it's you know you're like you're not the only person I know who has had that journey, but I feel like in the like drag racific drag racification of of what drag is, there might be folks watching in like Iowa or or I mean listening in like Iowa who like don't know folks who've gone that journey so I'm just wondering if you could speak to I mean this is just your experience but like what that was like to move between like a drag community and then a personal identity well it's like the whole time I did drag I was also in the comedy world and I I was like in drag so much that there was definitely a time where I'm like, oh, I feel like my gender is drag queen. And that's kind of hard for a lot of people to wrap their head around because I think so much of drag is celebrating artifice and it's like everything is fake and that's why it's fun. And I think like historically, it's like we all kind of have this idea that it's men dressed as women in a very flamboyant, dramatic way or whatever. And so it was actually really challenging to do, like I I would be in drag, like I would say four to seven days a week. And to make money, I, I would do it in like, drag shows and gay clubs and I was like a lot of times like a host or whatever and I I don't say it like I only did it for money I loved it but that's like what my living was and then since in a big city it's hard to make money doing stand-up comedy I would do stand-up comedy as well and almost like equally as much but as a drag queen in stand-up venues or whatever with stand-up comedians but it was like it was like really tough to relate to audiences because um 
because of the the presentation almost didn't match what I was talking about all the time. Like I would, I loved like a giant wig and like funky ass clothes. And then I would be like talking about going on a date or something. And people would be like, is that like what you wear? <laughs> like, it was just very confusing, I think mm-hmm. for people. And I really took it on for years as like, I'm gonna show, I'm gonna teach these audiences about people like me and maybe they've never seen a drag queen and then they'll they'll relate to a drag queen and then they'll become fans of drag queen or I don't know what the hell I was doing but after a while I was like this is like this is too much so um then I started to really be like okay I don't do anything unless I have gone on ladies clothes and everyone's calling me she and Roz which you know was not the name I was born with and um It just got to a point where I was like, okay, I think what I'm, like, really relating to, like, because I've always defined drag as sort of, like, everything you can take off at the end of the night and, like, put away. And it's, you know, it's for art or performance or whatever, however you want to view it. Um, And for me, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to take the stuff off, but I also don't want to, like be in a corset and a wig and like all of Mm. that or two and a half hours of makeup like I don't want that part of it but I do want the being called she and Roz and whatever so then I was like all right guess some trans and um and then kind of stopped doing drag and oh my god I figured it out like it's it's like I figured it out now which is so great. And I feel like my stand-up is, like, so much better. And, like, you know, like, stand-up is, like, so... When that's what you do, it's, like, so part of, like, like your identity or... I don't know. It's, like, it's it's like one way that you talk to people. And that's, like, such a big part of what you're being or something. I don't know. At least it is for me. And, and I'm, like... I feel like now I connect, like I've always loved stand-up, even though it didn't always like go my way before. But now I'm like, oh, it like, it just like feels the way it was supposed to, I think the whole Mm. time now. And it's just like, great. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I love to hear that. Gosh, that's so interesting also. Cause it's just interesting hearing you talk about like people reacting to your like, everyday everyday life material <laughs> while you were um in drag because this is just a real thing this is not this is not uh i mean what you just talked about is like a really personal story that's really beautiful but just a real thing is that because of my job i have gotten to like for a lot of years be in sort of like a not many times a year but like many times be in like a secret back zone during drag shows I've like hosted drag shows or and um I will just say that it doesn't matter how much of the process I have seen I ha- and I have seen I think like a lot of the process when that queen is like next to me and done up I the amount that I am sweaty and attracted to her is 100% really? like <laughs> totally I just had this experience because I hosted like a big fundraiser in uh, Portland and like, oh my God. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's like the, perhaps some of it is like the, um, size differential, like, cause right. I am a tiny guy and not that all Queens are tall, but in heels, yeah. a lot of them are a lot taller than me. And it's a real, like. Yes, I see what's happening here, mother. Like, it's whatever you need. It's a very specific feeling. Uh, totally. And it is power. And it's mm-hmm. like, because I'm 6'1". I would wear wigs that were like a foot tall. And then I would probably wear like, I don't know, it depends. But sometimes like, let's say I was wearing like a six inch heel or something. Like, we're talking like close to eight feet over here. And there's like nothing like that feeling it's pretty incredible but it's a lot to take in when you're like an audience and you're seeing 
a bunch of comedians come out with like jeans and a t-shirt and then all of a sudden there's like this <laughs> eight feet tall person right. that's not even acknowledging what's what they're looking at and just like talking about life and observational humor or whatever and people are like okay are we gonna talk about the fact that i don't think that's really your hair like because <laughs> yeah. i never wanted to talk about that because to me it was like no this is me this is how i am yeah. this is just what i look like when i leave the house and um and now I'm I'm just like, I don't know, I love it. Because I, I'm, I'm also kind of like private and stuff in some ways. And, and when you're in drag, you're basically like, look at me. Like, everyone stare at me. Like, you have all that stuff on. Like, it's, yeah. So now that I don't, like, it's, it is nice to be like, oh, I get to just like, stand in the back of the room at a comedy show and everyone's not like staring at me or like asking for a picture because my outfit is so Mm -hmm. cool um and they don't even know what my name is or whatever and like I don't know I just I I like I like the balance I figured out that's awesome yeah wow I have like a lot of questions but it's like I'm looking at the time okay um ask them all (laughs) yeah let's go we'll do rapid fire absolutely sorry i almost just knocked everything over um all right well look i also think that's the thing that you just said there uh is like a special situation that anybody who's like not a white straight cis dude like you're you're talking about like a very heightened version but it is funny (laughs) that like all the rest of us have to come out and like acknowledge something about what the audience is seeing or make the choice to actively not acknowledge it there's like one type of person who can just walk out and say nothing um also like maybe some sort of small blonde straight since women but like dudes have it's like they're it's just like let's get down to it and i have felt a lot of need to um yeah like discuss what's happening even yeah i still to this day especially if i'm like perform it, it depends what the show is but sometimes i'm like i've learned if i don't address that i'm trans pretty quickly it's like it's just like awkward in the audience yeah. for some reason which is unfortunate but I don't know I view it as like just part of my experience and whatever I've got good things and bad things about my trans experience and and I don't think it's one of the worst <laughs> so it's fine So I want to also go back to when you were saying you were a little private um, and I also, it's like the jobs I chose, sometimes it's fun to go back and laugh at the a younger me who didn't understand the, the, the choices and be like, good job, like you did it, you know, because I think for me, stand up, podcasting, all the stuff that I do that's like very out there is it's I to me, I'm like that is hiding in plain sight because the stuff I've had to work on is like interpersonal, um, just like any intimacy at all, like sharing who I am with someone I'm going to ever see again. You know, like those are mm-hmm. all my areas of growth and I have done that work and I'll continue to do that work. But like that is not what I was going for in life and in career. So I did a great job of like hiding that from me where I'm like, are you kidding? I talk about my life in an open way, <laughs> like 24 hours a day. It's like, no, you talk about the edited version of your life where yeah. other people don't get to also participate in the conversation. So, um, that's, that's like social media. Yes. Like, you know, just yeah. showing what you want people to see. Yes. So when you say that you're a private person, um, what do you mean by that? Because, like, that's what I mean by that is that I now choose to, like, actually identify that I'd like to have intimate conversations. And I do have those, but, like, with friends. Um, But what do you mean by it? I don't know what I mean because in some ways I'm, like, 
I'm not going to have any more secrets. I've been in so many closets. But at the same time, I'm like, I think there's a comfort to being like, some things are just for me. And yeah. and I, because I think that growing up and whatever, I was just like, I've had to have that. Um, and it's just like part of my life. So I'm like, okay, now that like, the trans thing or the queer thing or what, like now that that's out, like now what do I, what do I, what's, what do I hold in my little tiny little box? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like I'm full of secrets, but I do think that I'm, I'm like sometimes like very private about, um, like I'm not, I'm not a poster on social media, like hardly at all. I'm very bad at it and I need to work on it. I need to have somebody do it for me, honestly. But um, I just don't think my brain doesn't work in the way where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm at this thing right now and I want everyone else to see it. I'm just kind of like I'm in the moment and I don't really I'm just enjoying this for what it is. And it's theater to me and it just exists in this one moment. And so like, I don't have a lot of pictures. Some of these dating apps, these guys will be like, send me a picture. And I'm like, I got like the five that are on my profile. And I don't know, I could text a few people or look at my tagged photos, but I don't have a camera (laughs) roll full of photos of myself because I just don't think about that. Like, so I don't know if it's a privacy thing or what, but I'm just like, I don't know. I live on my own damn planet over here, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on a journey in social media where I I actually like, especially on Instagram, I really do, which is like a dead media. So we're so sad about that because we just figured it out, but I'm like really (laughs) just figured it out and I feel like it's going great. So last gasp, you know what I mean? Last gasp over there. Um, but we love it. Last gasp is going great. Um, but then what's the next thing? Well, like it's TikTok, but the, the voice is different. Like the, you know, like I could never quite figure out the Twitter voice when that was like what we needed uh, to do. Yeah. I like would have like something that would be like, oh my God, this is exactly the way to say, say this. And it would like go really well and tons of people would see it. And then like, I couldn't figure out how to recreate that for like six months or like a year. And then on Instagram, I feel like I'm like, okay, I kind of get the voice of this thing. TikTok is just like, it's just too young for me. I need, it's I like can't. a My brain real doesn't effort. work that way. Exactly. It's like a real effort to try to understand like how to, it's a real effort. It feels like homework for me to look at TikTok. And, <laughs> and that's I not like- how it's supposed to be. And a lot of people love it. And there's like, it's not even necessarily a generational thing, I don't think. Like, I definitely know people that are older than me that spend so much time scrolling on that stuff. It's just like, I don't know. It's like how my brain works or something where it's not where my my interest is. Yeah, I mean, for me, I actually like to watch it. I just cannot understand how anybody has ever created any of the stuff that's on there. I can't, I can't oh, like well, decode that's it. The, the I cannot decode part of it. Yeah. Where I'm like, that, that would take me three weeks to figure out how to make that I don't get it. 30 second thing. I don't get it. Yeah. It's, it's maybe someday we'll see. Um, okay. Well, look, here's what I say. I want <laughs> okay. to see your show. I am like super interested. And if you're going to have a screening in LA, you have to invite me. I want to come. celebrate you you know should i i i actually that just came up last night with some friends that were like you should do you know like a a screening when invite a bunch of people and maybe make a show out of it or i don't know i don't i haven't thought too much about that but um maybe it's weird when it's like streaming though because it's not like it's like live on tv but um yeah yeah i mean throw this in the you know, throw this in the trash. But one thing I will say is like my experience with myself is that I move through wins really fast. Like when I have a win, I'm just like on to the next thing. I have no idea if you're like this, but something that I force myself to do sometimes is like try to celebrate wins in a little bit more of a tangible way. I'm still Mm -hmm. like really bad at it, but, um, Oh yeah, no, I'm, I auditioned for hundreds of things. I've been in this city for 14 years and it's been a damn journey. And now I get to be one of the stars of a TV show. And so um, 
And yeah. to me, it's kind of like my wedding day. Uh, and I'm yeah. like, I'm enjoying it for sure. I'm very excited about this this whole opportunity. And um, I mean, again, it is, I certainly stand with the WGA and SAG. And so it's like, it's, it is a weird time to be like, go watch TV show. But, um, <laughs> but also I'm like, it's my wedding you day. Know, I mean, it's my wedding look, day. They're going to make something. They have to make something. So I would like it to be queers that are making that that intermediate money between when they pay more of us to do something else. So thank you for sucking up some of those funds that we're going to go to somebody. They have to make something. <laughs> well, and okay, also understood, but we shot this before the strike. So you also hear me, you know what I mean? We like, shot take this that, January, take that bag February. and run because it's going to someone. I want new glasses, as many as you need that all look identical, <laughs> just identical <laughs> pairs of this. Yeah. Bigger and bigger and bigger glasses, yeah. Bigger and bigger and bigger glasses. Yeah. Oh my gosh! When I get a season two of this show, I'm going to I mean, just have I can the only biggest imagine the clown glasses. Image. Roz, before I send you back into your day, I always end the show by asking people to shout out a queero, person, place, or thing that made you feel you could be who you are today. Who would you like, or what would you like to mention? Oh my God, there's so many queeros. Who's a queero? Wait, wait, let me, I want to choose. You know, I've been thinking about Margaret Cho a lot lately. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Who I think is my favorite comedian of all time. I mean, I don't know. I don't like to always be like, my favorite, like what, whatever. But certainly up there, probably, if I had to choose. Um, and she's the only person that I've ever paid to see stand-up comedy um, because <laughs> I live in Los Angeles and I've been lucky enough to see everyone for free. But um, she is... Uh, she's the... Fr- I-, I loved comedy as a kid and whatever. And then when she... Uh, when I first discovered her specials as a teenager the, from... Uh, gay mentor friend of mine that was like oh you gotta you gotta learn margaret cho and i was like oh my god i I just related so deeply in a way that i was like oh i didn't i didn't even think about the fact that comedy could like be this and then it it literally taught me about so many things just her specials about the gay queer world that i had never i'd never heard of and um, I do think that she's shaped who I am as a comedian and adult and all of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, absolutely changed my life as well. She's one of two comedians I've ever paid to see. Her, Sarah Silverman. Those are the two. Um, oh, I honestly yeah. stand by that taste. That's good taste from yeah. like a super, like from like a 20-year-old me, like a 19 and 20-year-old me. Totally. Solid taste coming in hot. hot. Yeah. yeah. But um, I've got so many queeros and, and I'm very lucky to, to know a lot of them. And, and I'm also friends with a lot of um, drag queens that are from the pre-reality TV era that have been doing this as long as I've been alive and those people are really heroes to me in the sense that, I mean, they were just doing it, whether it was something to get rich from or famous or it was safe yeah. or whatever. And and those people are huge mentors to me. So shout out to people like Jackie Beat, Sherry Vine, Peaches Christ, Coco Peru. I mean, I just like love, love, love those people. Absolutely. Well... Okay, thank you. Oh my god, what is Coco Peru's movie that she made? It doesn't matter. I'll look it up right after this. Girls will be girls. Girls will be girls. It's so funny. Yeah. Great film. Solid film. Okay, Ross. Um, it was so good to talk to you. Yeah. Huge congratulations. I'm so happy for you about your show. And um I can't wait to see you out in these streets. Thank again. you. Can I tell people to watch to listen to my podcast? Yeah, you better. I would, and I'll also put it in the intro, but let's also put it here. Okay. In case they forgot. Ross, go ahead. Well, because it is like Halloween time and 
Yeah, this get is, in This here. is my time to shine. You know, I get it a good I get good two months and then November first happens and <laughs> no one wants to hear from my ass. So yeah. um I do have a podcast called Ghosted Explanation Point by Roz Hernandez and I talk to um people that I like about their beliefs and their experiences with ghosts and one day I hope to have you on so we can talk about your yeah. thoughts on that and also the ghost that I saw behind you at um, Dynasty Typewriter in a video one time. That's a real thing. Yes, that did happen. That really did yeah. happen. And yeah. um, and I also, I will say, listeners of my show have, have brought your name up before because I love to have them tell me people that they want to come on. And they've definitely been like, have you seen this video? Um, so there's a demand for you as well. Okay, let's close the loop. We, <laughs> let's close the loop. It's easily done. Absolutely. Yay! But yeah, I also, I've had like so many, um, so many great, great queers, some great, Margaret Cho's been on and a lot of, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race and all kinds of people, celebrities, comedians. Um, it's a very queer, fun, freaky kiki. <laughs> so ch- check it out. So check it out. Play. What a weird thing that I said at the end. But, uh, all right, Ross. Thank you. Thank you. What's that behind you? Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network. Of artists-owned shows. Supported. Directly. By you.